Oh, you don't like that? Are you going to be upset, Theodore, if we don't have continuous podcast? Mm. Is that how you feel? Huh? Is that how you feel? Oh, now he's giving you the cold shoulder. Yeah, he's annoyed. He's really upset. Well, he's upset when other like people talk to each other and not talk to him. Oh. Because he thinks everybody who comes in the house like is here for him, no one else. I mean, that is why I'm here. Shut the hell <laughs> Oh, we well, got a toy. That toy. Yeah. So That's sorry cute. in advance that you're gonna hear my dog. Chomp, 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 chomping on his toy. That's fine. Welcome to Hysterical History, where we sit down, talk about our favorite stories, and of course, laugh. Your hosts are Whitley Trussler and Emily Gummery. All right, let's get this show started. If you people would leave us reviews, we could make money and have a studio. <laughs> Is my comment. <laughs> Yes, then leave us a review no... so we can make money and get a studio. No toy chewing in the back. Yes, and no, <laughs> no fifteen hundreds baby cries. I kind of like those though. Oh my god, adds character. So I am going to talk about a brief history of Halloween and how. Halloween became a holiday in the U.S. and how it got here. Spooky. Um, So the roots of Halloween. (laughs) It's like having a baby. We even got bone chewing in the background of the spooky Halloween episode. Yeah. Don't look at my closet. So Halloween has its roots in a Celtic festival called Samhain, which is not spelled at all how you would think it would be pronounced, which I thought was going to be like Samhain or something. But no, it's it's Samhain. I had to look it up. And this was celebrated by the Celtic people on the night of October 31st. So that, that makes sense. That, that ties in Halloween and how... And why we celebrate it on the 31st. Um, So the Celts, they lived 2,000 years ago. And this was before Christianity was widespread. And they were in Ireland, uh, which is now part of the United Kingdom. um, And they believed that on October 31st, the dead returned to Earth. So that was the, like, spiritual connection to this (laughs) festival. uh, Samhain, not Samhain. And... um, so yeah, the, the Celts believed that the barriers between the physical world and the spiritual world were opened up on October 30, 31st and that the spirits from the other world could come and interact with humans on that night. So that's kind of the ancient origin, like 2,000 years ago history. That's what ce- was celebrated on October 31st. Yeah. Um, so Samhain was one of four of their quarterly fire festivals. Um and it had connections to the harvest, which, which makes sense. Um, seems very middle ages of them. Um. <laughs> I just, okay, I'm listening. I'm so sorry. He's okay. There might be a like soft grumbling in the background the whole time, but it's okay. Like he was entirely fine laying over there asleep. <laughs> And now all of a sudden he just has to be like wild and out. Like why? Anyway, please. I'm so sorry. That's fine. Um, so after the harvest work was completed, they would join the priests and they would light a community bonfire essentially. And they used a wheel. So they'd like spun this wheel that would create like friction and then light the fire, Hmm. which is seems like a lot of work to build something to light a fire when you could just grab like flint and whatever well i don't know what they used to i'm not a boy scout <laughs> whatever they used say, when they could have just grabbed a match <laughs> when they could have just grabbed a lighter that had lighter fluid in it and just lit it yeah how freaking dumb how freaking like first century of them Ugh, god so there were some sacrifices always fun so they sacrificed cattle 
Um, and then the participants who went to the festival, which, um, plot twist, everyone had to participate. Uh, otherwise, you'd receive some kind of punishment. So huh. forced participation here. Very fun. So they, each of the participants would take a flame back from the communal bonfire, and they would relight the own, their own hearth inside of their home. So, okay. So the harvest ends. They light this giant communal bonfire, mm-hmm. and then they go and use this communal fire to light their own hearths in their own house. Okay. So it's Sounds very like community. the beginning of the Olympics. Yeah, it kind of does. <laughs> yeah, just everybody running down the streets like with their own Olympic torch, just lighting. <laughs> Yeah. I wonder what happened if it like went out. Did they have to like go back and or does, does that just... mean that they're not gonna have a good harvest the next year then? I don't know. I didn't hmm. look into that very much. But obviously like science wasn't a thing yet. So of course, you know, Jimmy who like let his eternal flame go out and didn't make it to his hearth, like maybe catch us on TikTok. We'll look it up and if we can find something we can make a little video about it. Yeah, we should, because that'd be interesting. I I would want to know. Um, but Samhain uh, was mandatory, and it lasted three days and three nights, and the community was required to go and present themselves to local kings and chieftains. Um, there's nothing important about that. Why did I put that note in there? This is going to be rough. I'm going to have to cut out a lot of this. I was doing this at 10 p.m. last night. <laughs> I love this. Good start. I love this is like the this is the partnership we both needed. Yeah. Like I agree. Because normally we're both on top of it and this episode is <laughs> This, this is like, like gonna be a shit show. Like Sorry, episode everybody. one all over again. Yeah, kind of. You think by now, like this is gonna be week ten, mm, our yes. tenth episode. <laughs> you think by now, like I'd be able to come in and just plug in the equipment, but I didn't we even, also had an issue with the equipment. I, yeah, and it was broken. And then the last time I bought this new headphone splitter, using the wrong freaking cord was the problem. So now I have the right cord. So I was like, everything's going to be perfect. And then I get here and a stupid little metal prong is broken off inside of the the interface for the mics. Whatever, it's fine. If somebody right now is Googling interface. <laughs> What is an audio interface? Well, they're expensive, and I was going to be really pissed off if it was broken. So Emily gave me a toothpick, and I bent it back, and it's working for now. And Theodore's still going at it with the bone. We'll check in next week on the interface. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Anyways. So... Because the Celts believed on the 31st that the barrier between the worlds of the living and the dead was open, um, they prepared offerings and they left them outside of the villages and then the fields for the fairies that would come. Hmm, okay. Um, so also because of this, um, this is kind of weird. Because it was expected that the ancestors would cross over, during this time as well. So essentially people who predate these people, um, we all know what ancestors are. I don't know what I'm explaining to this. So dead ancestors, (laughs) their spirits are here. (laughs) The the Celts would dress up as animals and monsters. uh, So the fairies were not tempted to kidnap them. Interesting belief. I don't know. Like, why would they kidnap them? I like, don't what know. would be the purpose of that? Yeah, I don't. I'm not sure why they think that their ancestors were going to kidnap them. Um, but that's why they dressed up in costume. Hmm. So, um, that and that's kind of like an important part, obviously, of Halloween that we know today is is the costumes. Right. Um, so that's kind of linked to this the the fact that. You know, we don't dress up, obviously, today to not be kidnapped, uh, but we dress up to get candy. Um, But they were like, oh, don't kidnap me. So this is like, I feel like this version of Halloween is like real, real creepy and scary. Yeah, this is like, this is like the Grimm Brothers story. And then like us now is the Disney version. That's the perfect analogy, actually, for this. Um, so 
obviously time is linear and it moves forward. Get away from there right now. He'll be back. Yeah, he will. Because he's an asshole. Oh, he's coming right back. Theodore Grayson. Going well for us today. Literally. I cannot even imagine having this freaking dog and that boyfriend and a baby. People who have all three of those things, like, God bless you. I couldn't do it. Get your... Go. Go. Lay down. Okay, we're down. Um, so like I was saying, uh, because time is linear, the Middle Ages progressed forward uh, because time happens. What? <laughs> so as the Middle Age progressed and evolved, the celebrations of these fire festival festivals like Samhain um, did as well. So the bonfires actually moved closer to people's homes so everybody now instead of doing like the big communal fire we're having their own like personal Samhain fires gotcha. um which was near to the farms where they did the harvesting um so this was thought to protect the families from the fairies and witches so essentially just additional protect protection because these people apparently are just terrified that witches and fairies are going to kidnap them uh, I mean, when the worlds open up same well yeah me too um <laughs> <laughs> not really um so this is also we find another halloween tradition here um they started carving turnips which they called jack-o-lanterns which began to appear um and they would attach them to strings and sticks embedded with coal um and then later irish tradition ended up switching to pumpkins so jack-o-lanterns <laughs> Jack-o'-lanterns started off as turnips. I feel like turnips make more sense if you're hanging them. Yeah. It's much lighter and smaller. What yeah. size is a turnip? Like, turnips? this? I feel like are they, are are they like long, longer? Kind of like thing? Yeah. Man, they have to be in there with, like, micro needles carving that thing. Like. Well, I mean, they're not, like, carrots. They're bigger. <laughs> I don't <laughs> Alexa, what's what's a turnip? Okay, hold on now. Okay, yeah, turnips look nothing. Okay, wait, this is radish versus turnip. A legend's old battle. My God. Okay, so turnips are way smaller. They're they're not even like elongated. No, but I feel like if you're just like cart like, but it doesn't say how they're carving it. You're right. Like jack o' lantern to them may not be what jack o' lantern means to us. Oh, I agree. It's just so they could be just putting like squares and triangles in there and calling it a day. I just think I was imagining a parsnip, which is definitely like a carrot. <laughs> parsnip. Yeah, that's a parsnip. <laughs> Anyways, we on can this, move on from the on this episode of Veggie Tales. <laughs> We can move on from the the turnips and the parsnips and the pumpkins. Uh, not important, honestly. Um, it is to me, but whatever. This note in my notes is not important. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I even write it down? Um, so we even had, like, during Sawin, we even had some fun games. Like, in Wales, men would toss burning wood at each other in violent games, and they would set off fireworks. Um, and then in northern England, men would parade around the streets with noisemakers, so... We're getting more fun here, you know. Yeah. Um, and then in Scotland and Ireland, um, young people started to take part in a tradition called guising, which is dressing up in costume and accepting offers from various households. So this is kind of akin to what we think of as trick-or-treating. Um, and this evolved from originally when they would dress up as like wolves and animals and that kind of stuff to mm. um, protect themselves from witches. So, but what were the, do you know, or are you getting there? Like what the offerings were? Yeah, I do have that. So, um, so the offerings that they would accept. So this is like, instead of pledging to pray for the dead, um, they would sing a song or recite a poem. So it's almost like if you think of Christmas caroling where people go door to door mm -hmm. and they like, 
sing songs. This is people going door to door in costumes and um, reciting poems about the dead or singing a song oh, about the dead. So like the people dressing up are the people who are giving something. No, they're they're asking for something in return for like going to the door and reciting a poem about the dead or something. Oh, okay, I'm getting. Yeah. I'm getting. Yeah. That. Okay. So like, think about trick or treating. Like if trick or treating and Christmas caroling had a baby, it'd be this. It'd be this. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah, they would do that, um, and they would tell a joke or perform a trick. Um, so either like song, poetry, joke, trick, and then they would collect the treat which was an offering and it was usually like fruit or nuts or money or like a piece of cake. Oh my God. Sign me up for money. Yeah, I know. I think, you know how much money people could make if that's what we gave out instead of candy. Yeah. But I'll, I would not give out money to anybody. So that's, we'd have to have people participating to give out money. You got to go to the rich neighborhoods probably. Well, I'm just thinking like people are so concerned about teeth and health. Mm -hmm. Give out money. That's fair. Put your money where your mouth is. Or raisins. Ew. No. <laughs> I'm trying to help the youth, not make it worse. Like, there's people who give out freaking toothbrushes. Like, okay, that's don't participate. Weird. Just stay in your house. I want to give out those little Frosty Boo books. You know what I'm talking about? Like, the $1 junior. They're like a dollar. And there's five certificates in each one. And they're just like a free junior Frosty at Wendy's. Yes. Okay. I love Boo books. At first, I was like, what the freak is a boo book? But now I know what you're talking about. I should just go and buy, like, 30 boo books and just give those Because aren't they only, like, a dollar? Yeah, for, like, five Junior Frosties. Yeah. Yeah. I think people would be fine with that. Oh, yeah. Who doesn't go to Wendy's? Or you could also get, like, a bag of, like, candy miniatures and then just, like, put them, like, staple it or stick it on there and then they get a candy for that day and also a frosty oh man it's like instant gratification and then a treat later yeah your house would be the best house you wouldn't worry have to worry about eggs honestly if i see anybody throwing an egg at my house i'm actually not going to do anything i'm too nice no. i'm just like ah, blah, 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 like inside you'd the complain. window watching it happen yeah you'd complain to me yeah we also we got bullied by like 11 year olds like a year ago not not we we you oh me yes me and maggie we, <laughs> yeah. we got like there were these kids i would never get bullied on our year olds yeah it was bad and that's only because you guys are very nice like you're just like too nice yeah too nice so, it's disgusting sidebar story what happened is like it's a group of like five kids definitely like between 10 and 12 um and then there were some little ones that were like six or seven like followers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they had a basketball and it just started off. They would play basketball on the side street, just like bouncing it to each other. Um, which first off, I'm like, where are your parents? Why are you playing basketball on the street? People go like 70 down this 35 mile per hour street, but whatever. So like this becomes the sound that I associate with these children who bully us is a basketball being dribbled. Oh my God. So like every time, well, what happened? I saw them throwing rocks at like a house next door. So of course I didn't go out and say anything. Cause I'm like, well, what, I don't want to make us a target. Like what if they start throwing rocks at our house? But then I was also like, but I can't call the police because like I would be a white woman calling the police on like seven black children in a black neighbor predominantly black neighborhood and i was like oh i can't do that because that's just like it's not going to go well for them because yeah police period that's all i have to say um so i was like well i can't do that either because then i'm putting them in danger probably maybe i'm not saying uh, okay we're not going to go down that rabbit hole but yeah, that's not today's episode <laughs> i didn't want to risk putting them in danger is what i'll say so I just stared at them like menacingly from our attic window and they saw me and they were like, Ooh, like flicking me off, throwing me the bird. And they were like, you know, I don't know what you call that. Like trying to show your bravado, like, you know, like hitting your chest kind of thing. Like come fight me. Yeah. Um, and me, you know, like 26 year old woman sitting in my attic, cowering at children and like, no, I'm not going to come fight you. Like I can't, I can't even yell out my window at you. <laughs> And that's on anxiety. Yeah. So that's the story of how we were bullied for like a year by the, these kids would just come and like, 
you know, throw shade at me. I don't know. I don't know what the term is. They, you know, they were just like, you know, they give you a look when they go by. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, my land. And one time they like ding dong dished my house and stuff. It's fine. <laughs> they scared me. I like, I heard oh something moving on the porch and I turned on the porch light and then they just slammed on my door really hard and ran. <laughs> and I looked out the window and there were just like two little girls standing by a tree down the street. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, of back to solid. friends, you would be the one to get bullied by 11 year olds. <laughs> For sure. I'm not surprised it happened. Oh man. <laughs> But I'm grateful for the experience. This is not a high school yearbook quote. (laughs) Anywho. uh, So now we're going to go back to Samhain. Um, So Christianity starts gaining a foothold, of course, in all of these pagan communities. And, you know, per usual, they start to reframe it to fit what they think would be more Christian. So they're... They're going in and they're like, okay, whole scale changes to Samhain. We don't like it. It's people dressing up as animals and like talking about the dead and all that stuff. We don't like that. Um, my eyes. You can't see me. My eyes are going to roll out of my head. <laughs> so in the fifth century, Christians decided that they were going to move the celebration to spring. Like moving it a really absurd far Why? distance away on what, May 13th. What purpose? What purpose are you going to come into somebody's religion and somebody's like, like that is their community and that's something they have thought and you're going to go, don't like that. Take off the beast costumes. Mm, Actually, we're going to move it into the spring. For what purpose? Mind your business. Yeah, they just didn't want them celebrating it anymore so they moved it to may 13th and they specified it as a day celebrating saints and martyrs oh jesus christ but everybody's like no they still celebrated their fire festivals in october and november um so moving it did nothing so then in the ninth century pope gregory was like okay well let's move it back to the time of the fire festivals except we're gonna make november 1st all saints day and then November 2nd will be All Souls Day. So, again, neither of these new holidays, it, it didn't do away with the pagan fire festivals. They were like, no, the pagans no. are over here. Like, we are just going to do what we do. Right. I mean, over, so let's see, the 5th century to the 9th century, like four to 500 year time span. Christians are like, we don't like this. We're going to keep trying to change it. And it did nothing. Are we surprised? No. So eventually October 31st becomes known as All Hallows Eve or Halloween. And um, it contains a lot of the traditional pagan practices that were um, practiced in Ireland, essentially, um, during Samhain. Mm. So... In the 19th century, a lot of Irish immigrants start moving across the ocean and start settling in the United States. So when is they this move because over, of the potato famine or is, is that later? It is because of the potato famine. Okay. Um, so, yeah, they, they move over the U.S. and they bring all of their pagan traditions of the fire festivals with them. Um, and then we start to see the establishment of what we know today is the modern day Halloween in the United States um, Mm. from Irish immigrants. So we also have Halloween pranks, which so, so far, like what we've pulled from Samhain is the costumes, the jack-o'-lanterns going door to door to get treats, except they used to perform for their treats. Uh, We don't do that anymore. Obviously just put your kid in a cute costume and we throw candy at them. And then, um, also we get the tricks, like from trick or treat, like Mm -hmm. the pranks come with it. So in ancient celebration, the tricks were blamed on the fairies. Of course, these little boys aren't out here tricking you and it's the fairies. Basketballs and rocks at your house. Yeah. (laughs) Like my 11 year old bullies. Um, 
So, like, in Ireland, it was pretty innocent stuff. Like, boys would carve spooky faces in the turnips and scare travelers. Or they would tie strings to cabbages and pull them through fields to, like, make them rustle and scare people. Um, Or they had... In Scotland, there was a particular prank where they would um, pull up a cabbage stalk, get it smoking, so, like, light it kind of on fire, but not really. Mm -hmm. And then they would stick it in, like, your keyhole of your door, and you'd come home, and your whole house would smell like this gross cabbage, burnt cabbage smell. (laughs) (laughs) I want to know, who was the first person to think of this? (laughs) Like... I don't know. That's like, what were you doing that you thought to do this? <laughs> they were like, oh, that cabbage field burned down. Did you see? Did you smell it? And, and then another boy was like, oh, yeah, I smelled it. No, and like, you know, it'd be do. really funny. What if we put that like farty cabbage smell <laughs> in people's houses? <laughs> stick it in their keyhole. Stick it in the, stick it in the keyhole. That's people for sure. Cra- huh? Like, people crack me up. I can't even. Um, but yeah, and then in the early 20th century, the Irish and Scottish Scottish communities who migrated over, um, they reintroduced souling and guising in the United States. So that's where they went from door to door and, you know, performed for treats. Um, and then by the 1920s... Um, the pranks, of course, because that's the fun part of Halloween. They became the big Halloween activity choice for, for the rowdy young folk. Oh. So this actually becomes a big problem in the U.S. Uh, dun, dun, dun. Because the this Halloween mischief just gets way out of control. Go big or go home. Exactly. And in the Great Depression, you may not have a home, so just go big. Go big or go sowing. Yep. <laughs> So the Great Depression, yeah, made this prank problem worse. And they were bored. Yeah, bored and poor, and they didn't have anything to do. So they started vandalizing things, physically assaulting people, and the acts were even getting, like, violent. Good God. Um, So one example of a prank that was pulled, and this one is actually, it could have gone bad, but it's, like, they didn't use an actual dead body, so that's, like, oh good. Oh, my God. But anyway, stop it. So the Louisville Short Line, which is a train, it was going through Newport, Kentucky. And this was on October 31st, 1879. So so this is, like, before the 1930s, like, sparked and got worse. So this is, like, pretty innocent, maybe, mm-hmm. prank. Um, so the conductor is, like, you know, conducting the train. And he sees something, like, laying on the railroad tracks. And it looks like a body. He was like, oh, my God, there's a body on the railroad track. So he, like, slams on the train brakes. And he jumped, like, out of the locomotive when it stopped. It didn't hit the body. And he ran over to the, the, the body-looking figure. And he quickly discovered that, like, it wasn't moving. And it wasn't a person at all. It was just a stuffed dummy <clears throat> placed there by 200 boys who were hiding along the tracks. Um, Two? It's a lot of boys. 200 boys to place one fake dummy. That's what it said. I question that number. I feel like you need at max five. Yeah, if if that. At max. And that's only because a group, you know, like a group get together and they're like, oh, you know, it'd be funny. (laughs) Well, like 200. I feel like someone had to be like walking around recruiting all these boys. Like, hey, guess what we're going to do tonight? Like, you want to come? I don't know. I feel like. I, I mean, what else are you doing in 1879? Getting your ass beat by your mom if you're a part of this prank. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Um, but there were, like, the other, like, common, less aggressive, you know, like, placing a farmer's wagon on the roof of their barn. <gasps> or... <laughs> Tipping over outhouses, whether they had people in them or not. I want to know in the 1800s how you got a wagon on top of a barn. I don't know, because there was also this weird thing I read about where they would, like, take people's gates off of their fences and put them in trees. I feel like that would be easier. Because all you have to do is just, like, take the gate off and just, like, take a couple people and throw it in the tree. But, like, 
They also put livestock on the barn roof sometimes. So like wagon and livestock and like all, t all kinds of weird things. I guess if maybe if you're building like a ramp. I don't know. The Egyptians built the pyramid. Did they? I heard it was aliens. Anyways. <laughs> <clears throat> so yeah, as different podcast coming soon. <laughs> aliens. So as we start to get the industrial revolution, metropolitan areas start to explode. Um, and kids are moving into the cities, obviously. And the pranks become more destructive. Um, so it was kind of relegated just to rural areas until development really took hold in the United States. Um, so now that we're in the city, there you know there's more things to break, and more <laughs> things to set on fire. So we're setting things on fire. We're breaking glass. To, we're tripping people with. walking down the street. All fun. Um, so a couple examples of things that happened in um, cities, pranks. Okay. So. Boys in Kansas, or no, wait, sorry. Uh, yeah. So there was a group of kids in Kansas City. They waxed the tracks of a streetcar that, like, the streetcar went on, on a steep hill. And it caused the vehicle to slip out and crash into another streetcar. Did they kill anybody? It did not. It only seriously injured the conductor. Oh, my God. But it could have been much worse. Yeah. And then... Like, that stuff's not funny. That is not a prank. No. That is vandalism. It Yeah. I Potential murder. Like I mentioned, like, it starts to get... The further we go into the 1900s, it gets more and more aggressive. So here's another example that's even worse somehow. So this one has a fatal consequence. There were pranksters in Tucson, Arizona. They stretched a wire across the sidewalk, which seems pretty innocent enough, just tripping people walking. But? But one pedestrian was pissed. And he was thrown to the ground. He drew a revolver and he shot one of the kids. <gasps> Killed him. What? Happy Halloween. Oh, my God. So, it, by 1933, like, the Great Depression sets in. Things are getting more and more violent, um, which I'm sure that, you know, people are upset. They're angry. They don't have anything else. You know, what's the consequence here to right. get more destructive? So, 1933 specifically, um, it's referred to as Black Halloween because this is when it just reached such a terrible height. Um, so... There was, I mean, the Great Depression's going on, so there's already, like, increased anger, um, frustration, and then there's just these boys running around. Um, and in 1933, um, hundreds of teenage boys were just running around the streets, flipping over cars, sawing down telephone poles, um, and engaging in other acts of vandalism. And this is countrywide. This is not just, like, an isolated city. So, like, Mass destruction in 1933 on Halloween. Oh, my God. So community organizations and civic leaders and families were like, okay, wait, we got to do something. So there was discussion of banning Halloween altogether. This, all this stuff and this is the time that they're like. Yeah. What about when you almost killed a conductor? Like, <laughs> what do you? Okay. Yeah. So this is just when it reaches the boiling point And. Everybody's like, okay, well, if we ban it, you know, I'm sure like coming off the era of prohibition, they're like, well, if you ban it, it just gets worse. So they discuss banning it and they're like, that's not a good idea. That's just going to like throw fuel on the flame. Right. So what they ended up doing is they started planning programs, carnivals, costume parades just to start keeping kids out of trouble. So Love essentially that. just pushing their energy into something more productive. Um, I love that. So people, what they started doing, because it's the Great Depression, there's not a lot of resources. There's not even, like, sugar for candy really available. Um, so the people in communities would pull their money, and they would stage these, like, house-to-house -house parties for kids to go from house to house. So one house might have costumes, like cheap white sheets that kids could put over their head, um, or they might have, like, soot to like smudge kids faces some kind of just way to look like you're in a costume um and then the next house might have some kind of treat 
or the next house might have a little tiny haunted house set up in the basement. Um, so this starts to snowball into what is modern day trick or treat. Mm -hmm. So all of the traditions of Samhain came over, kind of created this destructive holiday here in the U.S. And then we kind of get, like you mentioned earlier, like now we're in the Disney Channel, like fairy tale version <laughs> where kids are dressed up in cute costumes and going house to house and getting treats. Um, and then World War II hits as well. So this is where youth are really like, okay, we really can't destroy anything. Like we got to support our soldiers and our sailors by not engaging in Halloween vandalism. Very patriotic. Whatever works. <laughs> so like, it, it just keeps getting more and more tame. And trick-or-treating, um, which is a huge part of Halloween for kids, obviously, becomes a part of the American culture by the 1950s. And there's still, like, some pranks, like throwing eggs at houses and toilet TP. paper. Yep, TPing. Um, but that's much better than, like, slicking the railroad tracks and streetcars crashing into each other and burning down buildings and, and all that kids. stuff. Shooting kids. Shooting kids. So... Lord. Yeah, by the 1950s, we have Halloween and trick-or-treating as we know today. So, I'm going to tell you about a nun. And she's known as the shit-eating nun. Excuse me? <laughs> you heard me. Uh, we're off to a good start so far. <laughs> so, Puts the poop in spoopy. Yes. Definitely spoopy. So, Mariana Marino uh, was born in 1575 to a wealthy banking family in Milan. So, we're set in Italy. Okay. Um, her mom died, actually, during her infancy. And because, you know, just like every other story I've told, the father can't cope. <laughs> and <laughs> dumps her on her aunt. Uh, and says, here, um, take my kid. I can't handle it. And then, because it can't get worse, instead of Teddy Roosevelt, you know, coming back for Alice, this guy forgets about her as he pursues his business affairs across Europe. So she literally, like, lost her mom, loses her dad because her dad can't handle it, and then is raised by her aunt. What a gentleman. Yeah. Um, so at age 13, her father finally remembered he had a daughter. Remembered? Yes, remembered. Um, okay. but only long enough to force her into a convent in Monza. So he was just like, oh, I remember I had a daughter, but like, I'm just going to wipe my hands clean of her real quick and throw her in a convent. In a convent. Yes. Cool. Yes. Um, now I don't want it to seem like it completely negatively impact her impacted her because she did take well to being a nun. Uh, she took the name sister Virginia and actually became a role model for the younger nuns, uh, novices that came in. Um, however, because men can't get any worse in this story, the poor thing in her twenties, fell head over heels in love with someone. And this is where it goes all downhill for is her even more. Uh, no, it is a young aristocratic womanizer Ooh. named Gian Paolo Osio. And they had a years long toward affair. She's a nun. <laughs> okay. You find all the good Catholics. Yes. Uh, you know me. So, Catholic investigator Emily Gummery <laughs> coming for you <laughs> and also praying for you <laughs> at my Pankster church. Okay, so Osseo had a blacksmith um, make him copies of the convent's keys and would just regularly sneak into her room, just sneak, sneaky sneak. But Whitley. You want to hear the worst part? This was all with the complicity of other nuns and a friendly priest. They knew what was going on. And they let... Like, I don't even know why he needed to make copies of the keys. Just let open the door for him. 
Right. Just leave the door open. Yeah. But I wonder if, like, their thinking is, well, we're not actively assisting. We can still go to heaven. (laughs) So. That sounds about right. They're like, well, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm just like. But it gets worse. What is that? The, like, uh bystander effect you're like yeah maybe not effect that's because that's about no, like what's people the... won't call the police if a woman's getting beat on the street what's yeah 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 i know what you're talking about anyways these people are bystanders and they think that they're gonna go yeah. to heaven because they're just not addressing the issue Correct. anyways um however she gives birth to two children because of this well, that's pretty good evidence that you're not uh, holding true to your nun vows. Yeah. Well, one was stillborn, oh. which is sad. Um, the other, who, uh, it, it was a daughter, and was adopted by Osseo. So, like, they made it out to be, like, he wasn't, like, he's the father, but he's not the father. Well, the adoption process must have been much easier then. <laughs> yeah. So, um... Mariana alternated between gratifying her lust and guilt-tripping herself over her sins. And at some point... (sighs) She was like, I have to get over Osseo. I just can't. Like, I'm a nun. I'm not supposed to be having this, like, these feelings, let alone giving in to them. I'm a terrible person. So I have to learn how to hate him. Whitley, do you want to know what she did to try to hate him? I mean, my first thought is, well, you can't hate somebody if you murder them. So, continue. She began eating his feces. <gasps> what? <laughs> Swear. <laughs> That's why she's the shit-eating nun? Correct. Wait, that was what it was, right? Shit-eating yes. nun? Yes. Okay, I wanted to make sure we were using explicit terms here. Yes. Not like poo-poo eating nun. <laughs> the poopy eating nun. <laughs> no, she nun. literally thought in her head, the best way for me to try to like, be disgusted with him and not want to be lusting after him and make me want to hate him is to eat his poop. Okay, self-control. Like, just walk away. You got to eat his feces. <laughs> this man must first be one all, hell of a man. First of all, my first initial question is, how did you get it? Uh, chamber pot. You know what I mean, Wait, though? what year was this? Uh, well, she was born in 1575, so. Oh, so definitely chamber pots. There were no toilets Yeah, yet. this was, like, end of 1500s. But, like. So they're just pooping like, in buckets. <laughs> like, ew. Nobody noticed her, like, going and scooping poop out of it. Maybe she emptied his chamber pots for him and was like. I'm going like, to start couple, couple, throwing couple. up right now. I can't even. I don't know. Eating but. them like chicken fingers. Whitley, shut up. Dipping them in the pee, his sauce. This is where people turn off our podcast and never, <laughs> never get back in. Okay, so. But Whitley, it didn't work. She still loved him. After that, they did not have toothpaste. I could not kiss her. Well, if you didn't know. But her breath had to smell pretty bad. Like, how would you not know? I mean, yeah. Okay, anyway. One of the other nuns finally smartened up. And in 1606, she threatened to expose the affair. But Whitley, because you know all my stories are like, it gets worse, it gets worse, it gets worse. (laughs) I have a theme. (laughs) I'm just going to get, that's one of our shirts we're going to make when we have merch is It Gets Worse. <laughs> that, that's another podcast as well. Well, it gets worse. Like, worser, worser, worser. Worser, worser, worser. Than eating poop. Are you ready? <laughs> Osseo murders this nun. I knew there was going to be murder. And with the complicity of Mariana. Who then threatened the other nuns that they'd get the same fate if they blabbed. Oh, Mariana Grande. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So my thing is, it's like I can, I, can, I can look it up and we could do maybe like a mini-sode on TikTok or whatever. But when I was doing these notes, I could not find like what triggered if there was anything. We may not know. 
But, like, what triggered this nun all of a sudden to be like, I have to expose the affair? Like, she's already had two kids. One was stillborn. One left the convent because it got, quote, unquote, adopted. So, like, what what happened between all of that and 1606 for this nun to be, like, finally, like, this is the last straw? Like, I have to talk about the affair. Like, what happened? I don't know. Right. I mean, because this nun already basically exposed herself by having two children. Yeah. Well, I don't know. So, the stillborn, I'm sure they could probably hide. That's true. The I think the reason they had him adopt his own child was because it was easier, like an easier way to hide the fact that she had it. Mm-hmm. Because it could have just been like somebody dropped off a baby That's like true. to the convent and like he was a really nice guy and adopted it. Like, you know what I mean? Some I don't good know. Press uh, yeah, he needed it as a womanizer, but anyway. So <laughs> um so because they're dumb, they tried to cover their tracks. We know what people when people try to cover their tracks after they murder somebody in, well, in the sixteen hundreds, you're not doing it right. Well, I think there's also a Catholic connection here because that priest you talked about did a pretty bad job at his crime as well. Correct. Using monogrammed personal pillowcases that only one shop in the city made. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Correct. Need a Catholic murder class for everybody. For, for Catholics to get better at murder. <laughs> if the FBI is listening to this, we are not doing that. I repeat, we are not doing that. That's, a, that's actually the main uh, principle of our pagan <laughs> church. So he's going to kick Catholic down murder. our doors. It's fine. Okay. You never hear from us because we're in federal prison. All right. So <laughs> to do this, to cover up their crime, they spread a story. That the nun who was murdered ran off. But convents, they're like little towns. You and I are both from small towns. We know how rumor mills work. So the rumors began spreading iffy things going on in the Monza convent instead. Um, And talking about like what... um, what Mariana and Asia were doing instead of the fact that, like, this run- this nun just ran, conveniently ran off. <sighs> Whitley. So, it gets worse or worse or worse or worse. So, Asia then starts more- murdering more people in the convent oh. to quell the rumors, including his BFF, the blacksmith, who made him the copies of the convent's keys. And an apothecary, because guess what? The apothecary at one point had supplied Marian, uh, Mariana with abortion herbs. So plan B pill. Basically, yes. <laughs> so he's just like, he might as well have just caught the whole building on fire and set them ablaze. Because you basically are killing everybody at this point. So none Wouldn't of that be like easier to cover up, set a fire? Yes, this is what I'm telling you. Like, nobody was smart. 1600s is the easiest time to get away with murder. You had no DNA. You had no fingerprints. You had no, like, uh, dental records. You had nothing. This is the easiest time to get alive or to, to commit a murder or a crime in history. And these pieces of shit can't do it. Right. No yeah, pun these, intended. These, yeah. <laughs> That's was, that was going to be my joke. So, anyway. <laughs> So, Whitley, surprise, surprise, it doesn't work. Nothing he does works. And eventually, word reached the governor of Milan, who ordered an investigation. Dun, dun, dun. So, Osseo, Mariana, and their complicit enablers were arrested in 1607, which is only a year after the initial nun was like, I'm going to tell on you. And then thinking about that, I'm thinking about Hocus Pocus. It's like, I'm going to put a spell on you. (laughs) Okay, so anyway. um, And they tortured them to reveal what they knew. So, like, the government was like, we need to know what you know. So we're just going to torture you until you tell us. It's actually, like, legal to torture people. They Oh, yeah. And I feel like these assholes deserved it. So I don't even feel bad. 
Oh. <clears throat> Osseo escaped. <laughs> what on earth? Yes. Um, so basically, Osseo escaped and was sentenced to death in absentia. And absentia just means that in, um, is Latin for in absence. Mm. Um, so it just means that they can sentence him without him physically being present. Um, yeah. So basically, as soon as they are able to find him, then they can carry out whatever his sentence is. Um, and that means that he was, uh, that is good because he was killed soon after, um, by an acquaintance. Like, regardless of if he got caught or if he didn't, he still was dying. Watch <laughs> Yeah. An acquaintance was just like, you're a piece of shit, so bye. <sighs> but Mariana was sentenced to life in solitary confinement. But let me tell you what how they did solitary confinement. They bricked up. So they took a cell, like mm-hmm. a, cell a cell, measuring four feet by nine. Okay. And they bricked her up in the cell. Like closed the cell off? Basically, yes. Like it was just like a cell measuring four feet by nine. It was bricked up. I'm assuming there was a way for them to like lower food down to her or whatever or like through a little hole or something. But other than that, she was literally just bricked into a cell of four feet by nine. Whitley, she stayed there for 14 years. (gasps) 14 years. 14, one, four. 14. And then after 14 years, she was finally deemed, quote, reformed. I don't know what their, like, scale measurement of that is. Because, like, how would you know if she's reformed or not? Because she's, like, in a 14 by 9 cell. Um, he just wants to be this near is you. okay. Yeah, because he's not humping you. He just no, is trying to just, be near you. Kiss my neck. Yeah, and he's sniffing you because you smell like kitties. Hi, Get boy. down. Thank, Thank you. you. Um, so when she was finally deemed reformed after 14 years, she was released <laughs> and got to spend her remaining days in a convent. What? Yeah. <laughs> and let her back into a convent? And that's the end. She just stayed, spent the, her remaining days in a convent and then died there. Why would they let her back in a convent? That makes no sense. I want... Excuse exactly. me. Why'd she get to go back? Wow. I really think Theodore should be the third co-host yeah, on the show. Yeah, tell us. Tell us your opinion. Of course, now that we invite him to participate... <gasps> oh my gosh. She did what? Your dad's gonna beat your butt. Get down. He's such a gossiper. I know. XOXO gossip boy. (laughs) And that's his two cents. (laughs) 